Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Winner Circle. I, of course, am your host, Anthony Wynn. It is good to be back. I do apologize for my Thanksgiving hiatus. Had a lot going on that weekend. Um, so, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't really find the time to get the episode down. Um, I know a lot has happened since I last spoke to you all because, you know, the Giants on their first two-game lo- uh, two losing streak. That's one. They lose on Thanksgiving, which was, uh, you know, kind of ruined my day to say the least. But hey, I still had a good day, so I'm not gonna, I don't want to kill it too much. But um, so yeah, they lose to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving week prior to that. They lose to the Lions. We'll get into that. Um, is this? I, I I've, I've been hearing this question a lot this week, and you know, now that they've lost two games in a row, I've heard this, and and. I'm, I'm curious to think what I'm curious to hear what, uh, what y'all think about it in the feedback after you hear. It, but is the season a failure if they don't make the playoffs? I'll get into that. I have my thoughts on that. Um, the Jets beat Chicago after a blowout loss against. Uh, well, it wasn't really a blowout loss against the Pats, but Zach Wilson did not look very good. And comments after the game, all that stuff. He gets benched against Chicago. Mike White steps in. Plays a great game. We'll get into all that. Um, yeah, Knicks are a disaster. I'm going to start with them because I know not many people want to hear about them. But, yeah, they're just a disaster. And uh, Yanks make the first offer to judge. We'll get into all of that. But, again, like I said, you know, I apologize for the hiatus. Uh, it was a busy, busy weekend. You know, I went to my girlfriend's family uh, for Thanksgiving Day. Then we had to make some stuff Friday. Uh, for, you know, we did a thing with my family down in Myrtle Beach. So it was just a busy weekend. Sorry, I do apologize. It was a fun weekend. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, for me, it's one of the best freaking holidays in the world because you pretty much don't have to go food shopping for a week after it's over. But, you know, hey, it was a good day. It was a good weekend other than the Giants. Oh, another thing. You got the U.S. men's national team. I'll talk that. You know, it's kind of nuts. I'm not a huge soccer fan, but they finally are making some noise nationally in the World Cup. That's that's kind of awesome. And I'm fully invested in that in that team. They play tomorrow morning at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning against the Netherlands, and we'll see what happens. It's the round of 16. Um, let's see what they could do. But again... Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I do apologize for the uh, the the week hiatus, but hey, we're back. We're better than ever, and we're gonna get it started here. All right. So the last time I spoke to y'all, I remember the Knicks being uh, on their road trip, and they did pretty well. They started it off pretty well, and they ended that road trip three and two. Which, look, before that road trip started, there was some speculation about if you know they don't if they don't do well on the road trip, then you know. Thibodeau is going to be out as head coach, and look, he kind of saved his job, I think, uh, with the way they played, and they did okay, and then, and then, they come back home, and they just, they, <laughs> it's it's just, it's just bad, it's just bad, I, I don't understand for the life of me how they don't come up with the effort every night. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. So the Knicks finished that road trip against the Thunder with a 10-point win. Then they come home to face a Blazer team. Granted, decent team, but their best player was out in Damian Lillard. 
and they lose that game in overtime by three. Then you got the Grizzlies. Now, granted, really good team in the West. You got John Morant, really good team. Lose that game by four. Fought, fought in that game. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want to shit on them too bad for that one. But you know, they lose that. And then, of course, you play the Pistons in Detroit. If you don't fucking beat the Pistons, we have issues. And they blew him out by 30. Randall goes off for 36. He was lights out from beyond the arc. I'm going to get into, into him, though, because he is still probably the most frustrating, if not R.J. Barrett, but he's probably the most frustrating guy on this team to watch play because their basketball IQ is just absolutely horrendous. Get into that. Um, they lose against to the they lose against the Bucks the other night after Giannis fouls out with some horrible late game sets to try and get some scores to to take the lead and don't help that you're missing free throws either. But um, look, man, at the end of the day, the team just can't shoot. The team just can't shoot. I mean, you you play the Bucks the other night. And by the way, the Bucks were off all night as well from three. But just to give you, <laughs> just to give you some of these stats, okay. Now you look at the stats and the, you see that the Knicks shoot forty forty two percent. You know, not great, not bad, but forty two percent for the field. All right, I I'm actually willing to take that. What I'm not willing to take is the twenty percent from three. They went six from for thirty from three as a team. Six for thirty. Had eighteen assists. When the night when the night before against Detroit, they had thirty one assists. And this is what I'm this is the biggest criticism I have with this team. You get Julius Randle going off against shit teams like Detroit for thirty six. He went he did go off. His stat line that game was was great. I'm gonna pull it up real quick right now and I'll tell you. He went fourteen for twenty four, two for four from the line. 36 points, 6 for 13 from the three-point line. First of all, I'm sorry. I know he's shot well, okay? But Julius Randle taking 13 threes in a game should never happen. I don't care if he's hot or not. It should never fucking happen. And so what I think happens is he has a game like that where he goes off, and then he just thinks he's the he thinks he's hot shit. And, and what does he do against the Bucks the next night? I'll tell you, he does 8 for 24 from the field, 1 for 8 from 3-point land, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, he had 1 turnover, which isn't that bad, and 18 points in 39 minutes. Dude, this guy needs to stop living on the fucking 3-point line, okay? Another thing, he continues to bring up the ball. Like, for instance, I, just one play specifically in the second half, in the fourth quarter, I see Jalen Brunson calling for the ball after a rebound, and Randall's just said, nah, you know, no, nah, I'm going to bring it up. What do we have Jalen Brunson for? Who, by the way, has been a godsend for this team. And it's so crazy to me that, what was the narrative last year? Really for the last, like, ten years. The Knicks get a point guard, you'll see improvement in the team. Especially in R.J. Barrett and Randall. Well, I'm sorry, but that hasn't fucking happened. And Brunson has been great for you. (laughs) 
He's been what you wanted and, th- and then some. Really. He's been... Like, everybody that was bitching and moaning about how much money we paid him, are you bitching and moaning now? The dude looks great. And he was hobbled against the Bucks the other night. He, he rolled his ankle really early in that game. And he came alive in the fourth. Now, yes, he missed very, very crucial free throws, which he never does. He's a 90% free throw shooter. And he went over, he went one for four from the line in that game and missed two big ones at the end. But he's not the problem. <laughs> Randall and RJ are the problem. It goes back to the team not being able to shoot. So RJ had his best night probably of the year against Milwaukee the other day. Going 8 for 15 from the floor, 2 for 4 from three-point land. You know, two rebounds, three assists, which I'd like to see that jump a little bit. Uh, And 26 points in 33 minutes. That's a good game. That's a good game from RJ. But, look, you sign these two. You sign Randall and RJ to, to extensions. And... The, they're stagnant. Like, if you watch the offense when they're both on the floor, the, the ball just sticks. No one is moving. Everybody just kind of watches to see what one of them will do. And by the way, neither of them have a right hand to save their lives. If you paid them, which they get paid millions of dollars, by the way, but if you just paid them just to use their right hand, I don't think they'd be able to do it. You'd have to void that contract because I don't think they'd be able to do it. So, where's the dynamic offense coming from? Now, RJ on the defensive end, I love. Because I feel like he's the only one that brings the effort every night. I mean, it made me sick to watch the late game defense. You got you got Randall just giving up on defense. And by the way, he also just cries and moans and complains to the refs every time he drives the, to the basket. It's so enormously frustrating for me. To watch him, one, basket hang, because that's what he does. I remember watching one sequence where, yeah, was he open? Sure, but he was basket hanging, and there was a turnover before they got over the half-court line, and it took him a whole 10 seconds to get back on defense. The effort the effort needs to be there 100% of the time. And granted, look, I understand, you're getting hacked, that yeah, call the foul. But at the same time, dude, like, come on, bro. If you're gonna focus on that the whole fucking game, you need to get your ass out. To me, this offense won't be what it could be until one of them is gone. Meaning RJ and uh Randall. And I'm eating my words when I say that because the whole Donovan Mitchell situation in the offseason. For at least from what I heard, RJ was the sticking point to that. To where, like, you can have whatever you want, but RJ. Well, I don't know if you guys you guys have seen what Donovan Mitchell's doing in Cleveland right now, but he's balling, and RJ has been hasn't been. <laughs> All right, so I it's just frustrating to watch the team, man, because. With how well Jalen Brunson is playing, this team should not be two games under 500. I don't care what you say. They should have beat Milwaukee the other night. They beat Detroit, which they should beat Detroit. (laughs) Detroit sucks. And they didn't have their best player. But, and again, again, I go back to you not having a closer. I mean, just look at the Blazer game the other night. 
go to overtime. You don't have anybody that can close out games. You don't anybody. You don't have anybody that can finish the game. Nobody. Randall's not that guy. RJ's not that guy. And I don't think Brunson's that guy either. Even though he's been great. The team is just super frustrating. I don't know where they're gonna go. I mean, what what's the realistic expectation? I mean, right now, right now in the conference, they're the ten seed. So they're the they're the last team in the the playing tournament. I mean, I guess this is just what they are. And by the way, being four and six at Madison Square Garden is a joke. It's a joke. Losing record at home. You know what's so crazy too. I actually heard this sound bit from from Gilbert Arenas, and I think it's an old one, but I, I heard it the other day. It resurfaced the other day, and he was explaining to why, or, or some of the reasons why superstars don't love playing for the Knicks, but they love playing in Madison Square Garden. So why do you like? I feel like every time one of these like mediocre teams, even like good teams, come into the Garden. You get the no-name on the team just going off out of nowhere. Like, I feel like it happens every fucking game. It's, like, everybody just wants to have the game of their life at Madison Square Garden. And who doesn't? It's the Mecca. I understand that. But Gilbert Arenas was going into the reasons why that is. Dude, you got, remember when Steph broke the three-point record? Yeah, he did that at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, at Madison Square Garden, he breaks that record. He's getting cheers from the crowd now yeah is it cool to see a record broken yeah but dude that dude's against you and he's torching you and you're cheering him you know it's something i never really thought about now granted master square garden is the world's most famous arena you're gonna have people go in there from every walk of life it's the it's in the middle of manhattan the Knicks could be the worst team in the league, which they have been before, and they will sell that building out every single fucking night just because it's Madison Square Garden. So I kind of see why you don't really want to go play for the Knicks because, one, the media scrutiny is like no other in New York, especially for the Knicks, because look at the Nets. The Nets, the Nets have so much shit going on with their team right now, and you're not hearing shit. You're just not hearing a damn thing anymore. Kyrie was the biggest story that anybody could talk about three weeks ago. And now you're not hearing a damn thing. KD coming out saying what he said about his teammates. Now you're not hearing a damn thing. Are they winning? Eh, they're winning here and there. They're not great. But you don't hear shit about the Nets. Listen to all the new, the local stations up in New York. Listen to them. They don't talk about the Nets, man. They just don't. The Knicks run the town, and it doesn't matter if they're good or if they're bad, they run the town. So, in terms of that, I could see why a a superstar player wouldn't want to go deal with that shit, especially when he can just go there three, four games out the season, get cheers from the crowd anyway, because they're probably going to see that person play regardless, because who the fuck wants to go see a mediocre Knicks team, unless you're a diehard? But, I mean, you get the point. It's just, it blows my mind, man. They're just one of the more infuriating teams that I follow. And I'm sorry for putting, again, Tom, I'm going to say this again. I love you. We're at the, 
<laughs> we're at the 15 minute point I'm, sh- I'm sure you've skipped through like more than all of this i'm sorry i love you but the team just infuriates me to no end i have to talk about it but we're we're you know i'm 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 gonna leave it at that the team is a mediocre team they're gonna be 500 i should probably stop crying about it and moaning about it but believe it or not basketball is probably the game i know the most <laughs> and it just frustrates me to watch them play not to mention the North Carolina team that's down here losing three straight to teams that they shouldn't fucking lose to. Hubert Davis needs to get his head out of his ass, but I'm not going to talk about them. No, no, I'm sure that I don't think anybody who listens to this is going to care about fucking North Carolina basketball, but um, that's neither here or there. So yeah, man, the Knicks are need- mediocre. That's about it. Let's get let's get on to other things. The Yankees. Oh, baby, the Yankees. All right, they made their offer to Judge. Now, a couple weeks ago, Judge was spotted in San Francisco. What do you think he's doing, people? He's meeting with the Giants. Yes, he has family out there, yada, yada, yada. He was meeting with the Giants. And uh, more power to him. I don't blame him. He should. He should go meet with these teams. The The Dodgers' offer to him was, act- was actually, was like, from everything that I've heard, was just was just a joke and imagine him going to the Dodgers Oof, that would hurt my heart but he was in San Francisco that started the talks and then the Yankees made their offer this week for the first time it's an eight-year 300 million dollar offer is it a good offer I think the years are good I think they're gonna have to go 20 million at least more on the on the on that number I think eight years 320 320 gets it done I mean, you got to think about what his mindset is, right? I mean, weigh the options out. And I'm sure this is what he's thinking about, right? I'm sure he's thinking, all right, if you pay me this money, right? If you give me what you want, what I want, right? Will you be able to put a championship team out on the field? And with the Yankees, that's a clear yes. With San Francisco, that's not clear. Um, Because San Francisco already, when, once the season ended, came out and said they're, gonna, they're not going to be outbid. They're going to give Judge pretty much whatever the hell he wants. And arguably, with this Yankee offer, they're giving him what he wants because, you know, what he wants is be to be the highest paid position player in, in the major leagues. Because you got Trout right now at 35 a year, 35 million a year. He's the highest. And uh, with this contract, if it was to be signed, it would be about 37 and a half a year, which, you know, obviously makes him the highest paid player with the giants being the primary um um like other the primary team that's going to combat this that that's why i don't think 300 is going to stand because the giants are going to i don't think they'll go 10 years but i think they're going to blow him through out of the water with some crazy fucking lucrative deal but that's why i go back to the mindset right what's judge's mindset Will you be able to put, like, is, is his mindset winning or money? Because his mindset is winning, he'll stay with the Yanks. And really, it's kind of intriguing because you hold the record now, obviously, for the most home runs in the franchise's history. Um, they will name you captain. I mean, that that's just going to be part of the fucking deal. You're going to be the new captain of the Yankees. Um, that's intriguing. 
from everything that I've heard from past players. Oops, sorry, just dropped my phone. Um, that's pretty damn intriguing. But um, and they'll be able to put a winning team on the field. The Yankees haven't been under five hundred in thirty years, and they've missed the playoffs twice in that same time span. So, I mean, let's be. What do you think? I mean, what does everybody think? What do you, what do you think he's going to do? Like I said, I think 8 for 320 is going to do it. I don't think that's going to be the last offer they make because they're going to see what the Giants give them. Um, but, you know, I, I with the amount of money he makes for the team, one. I, see, I have an issue if it's about the money. I don't have an issue if it's about the years. If the Giants offer a 10-year deal, I mean... Good riddance. Bye. That means he'll be 41 at the end of that deal. I mean, how good is he going to be at 41? Let's be honest. He's 6'8", 280. That, that, that type of body frame don't really work out once the, those later years come in. Now, really, realistically, if you give him an eight-year deal, it's probably not going to be great at the end of that deal either, but... The dude's the best player in baseball. He just won the AL MVP. He just broke the the home run record for the Yankees. I mean, he just had one of the greatest seasons of all time. And honestly, I don't think the contracts really change, even if he didn't have, like, say he had 40 home runs, right? 42 home runs, opposed to 62. Batted the same average, all that stuff. I mean, the contract's going to be the same. I commend the guy, man. He bet on himself and won. And the Yankees... See, this is where it gets frustrating because you you, you give the guy a fucking ridiculous offer. And it, let's be honest. Everybody's talking about, oh, it was a fair offer. Seven years, 213. That would have been a good offer um, two years ago. When... Everybody had all these questions. Oh, can he stay healthy? Yada, yada, yada. You know, people don't understand. All this, every time he got hurt, it was a freak fucking thing. He, like, thing, things that he could not help. You know what I mean? Getting hit by a pitch. Or, you know, making a slide in a second. Or trying to make a play in the outfield. Running into the wall. Things like that happen. All right? A lot of people get hurt when that happens. The dude, again, is 6'8", 280. <laughs> so, those questions clearly have been answered. He's not injury prone, okay? A player's injury prone when you fucking, you got a two day, you got two days off and all of a sudden you hear he has like a, you know who's injury prone? John Carlos Stanton is injury prone. Because the dude runs to first and pulls a hammy every fucking time. Every time he runs out of the box, I get nervous. The dude looks like an old-ass man running around the bases. It's kind of sad to see. Former NL MVP. That's what injury-prone is. Judge isn't injury-prone. He just had freak shit happen to him. And you know what? He's proved it the last two years. He, He has. So, with all that being said... That's why it's frustrating that we're at this point. Because the Yankees just let him go to free agency like he wasn't going to get paid. And now you kind of you kind of handcuff yourself because you don't really have a choice. Because one, you don't you don't get judge back 
I mean, there's going to be a fucking riot outside of Yankee Stadium. And oh, by the way, the team ain't going to make as much money. What are you going to do with the judges' chambers? You're going to just tear it down? Probably. You're going to have to. I mean, think about it. You've monetized so much off of this dude. You want to haggle over arbitration in the middle of the season over $4 million. It's just just really, really frustrating. I mean, look at the Braves. They have their team set for like the next eight years because they see the talent that these dudes have and they sign them early so that they're not... They're not lucrative deals. You sign someone for six years, $100 million, that's not crazy. Six years, $95 million, that's not crazy for the talent that they have. And they sign them early. Now you can argue, oh, well, look what they did with Hicks. And look what they did with Severino and how'd that work out. Man, Hicks was a seven-year, $70 million deal. That's $10 million a year. That's not anything. For the Yankees. Was it a bad deal? Yes, it was. Really bad deal. Because you want to talk about someone who couldn't stay on the field. And was the most inconsistent dude when he was on the field. And just really, just it seemed like he had the yips all year last year. Because this past season was easily his worst year. And as Severino, it's tough for him to stay on the field. But that was a four-year, like... $40 $40 million deal, another $10 million a year. That ain't shit for when he signed that contract because he was the ace of the staff at the time, second in Cy Young voting, and, and, and he signed a four-year, $40 million deal. When I saw that, I was hyped. And, of course, last two seasons, he wasn't able, prior to this past one, the two seasons prior, wasn't able to pitch at all, really. Pitched like three or four times total. So is that a bad deal? Yeah, because he's not available. So I understand all that. So if you want to come from me on that side, I hear you. But at the same time, now you shackle yourself. Now, granted, again, it's the Yankees. We'll see what they do. But you can't do as much as you would have done if you signed him three years ago. You see what I'm saying here? Because how Steinbrenner is not his father, and I'm tired of hearing that narrative too, because everything wasn't all sunshine and roses with George there either. So people who call into these fucking shows and shit, it bothers the fuck out of me. Now, I actually recently called in to DPH and Rothenberg, the, the morning show on ESPN New York, and because they, 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 <laughs> they had a clip of how they, they, he did an interview, at, um, and you know, he started making the excuses. And that's really what I'm tired of. It's not that he's not spending money. Because they're spending money just not in the right places. I mean, look at the Donaldson deal. I mean, they re-signed IKF, which I don't love. But it's a one-year prove-it deal, really. It's nothing crazy. Excuse me, sorry. Um, But, I mean, that's $25 million going into Donaldson. And look at him. Look at him. He's, he's a shell of his former self again. Um, so, you know, they're not spending their money wisely, but they are spending money. So don't I don't want to hear the narrative about the Yankees being cheap and shit like that. They need to do it smarter. And that's on Cashman. But this goes back to what I was talking about with Hal, talking about, oh, you know, 
we weren't the healthiest team going into the postseason. The Astros were healthier, yada, yada, not taking anything away from them. I'm tired of hearing all that stupid shit, man. As a Yankee fan, I'm tired of it. Hold these fuckers accountable. Boone, with his late game rotations in terms of the bullpen, horrible. The players, Judge himself in the postseason, was not great. Was not great. They can't hit the ball if they fucking... What's a good analogy? They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah, there we go. There's a good one. That's the that's the classic one, right? They can't hit playoff pitching. It's been the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And all I hear, all I hear is, oh, the pitching needs to be better. The bullpen needs to be better. The starting pitching needs to be better. No, the offense needs to fucking be better. When you don't score runs, you lose, period. It's frustrating. So, that you know, with the shift being outlawed now, next season, I think that'll change a lot of it. Because um, all these pull hitters, now they can pull hit without worrying about fucking five guys on one side of the field waiting for him to pull it. So that's a big deal. There's going to be a pitch clock next year. So games will probably move a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, man, you know, will the eight years, uh, 300 million be enough? I don't think it will be. I think you got to add 20 more million to the, to, to that final offer there, which, what would that be? So 320 million, hold on. I got to find my calculator because I am not the smartest here. Divided by eight years, that's 40 a year. 40 even a year. Highest paid position player in the history of baseball. Boom. Done. Done. Name them the captain. You still got the judges chambers. You can still monetize everything that you have. I'm not going to call for my refund on my judge jersey. And we'll be fine and Danny. And then go from there. All right? Then go from there. <laughs> the team frustrates me. But I think I, all in all, all in all, at the end of the day, I do think Judge will be a Yankee to start next season. I do. So I, I, I don't think they're going to let him get away. I don't think so. God, this gives me Jeter vibes. It really fucking does. Just because of the way the, whole, the Yankees just handled this whole deal. Cashman really, really, really bothers me when it comes to shit like this. But at the end of the day, I still think they'll get it done. I do. I don't think their first offer, though, is going to get it done. I think they're going to have to up that a little bit again. But um, I do think he'll be a Yankee. Please, please, please just come back. All right. Now on to the football. Boy, since I last talked to you all, did a lot happen in New York football. And I'm going to start with the Jets um, and the benching of Zach Wilson. Now, I know it's been over a week, um, but it was the right move. It was the right move, not only because of his play. I think his play eventually would have would have uh, had them make the call anyway, regardless of the pick. 
number in terms of like you know him being the second overall pick and all that crap. But the comments after the game against the Patriots, man. First of all, first of all, let's just take a look at what he did versus the Patriots in a 10-3 loss. Okay, a 10-3 loss. Your defense holds that. Your defense holds um, a team to three points. You need to win that game, especially when you're the better team. But let's take a look. Zach Wilson, no turnovers, went 9 for 22 and 77 yards. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but that's horrible. And especially when you watch the highlights of that game. The dude was missing people by fucking five feet. The guy can't throw a pass behind the line of scrimmage. A screen pass. A simple screen pass. One specifically that I saw, he overthrew Berrios. Like, Berrios didn't even try to go for it because what's the point? It was like a whole body, like a whole body length above him on a screen pass. I mean, he he was really, 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 really bad. And I know Bill Belichick does that to first and second year quarterbacks. I know that. Especially against the Jets. I know I spoke about it. He wakes up for the Jets. He just does. And they lost a they lo- the Patriots just lost against the Bills last night. And they needed that game. But for whatever reason, that dude just wakes up for the fucking Jets. Because he hates them. I mean, watch two bills. I know I've made this uh, this uh, um, point before, but that thirty for thirty, two bills, Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. You know, they sit down in in the Giants' locker room, and the second they try to get them to go to the Jets' locker room, they realize it, and they're like, "We're not fucking going in there." No, they don't like the Jets. So I understand all of that. But considering what Justin Fields did to them, um, I believe was the week prior to that. Um, no, it was it wasn't. It was the week prior to the first uh, the first Jet game. Sorry. Either way, a Bears offense went up and down the field with the Patriots, and the Jets couldn't fucking do anything. And that's on Zach Wilson. Okay, it just is. Now. You lose that game on a on the first punt return of the year by anybody in the league. So it's frustrating. But you got to put that game on Zach. And here's probably why he got benched this week. And it's the comments after the game. Zach Wilson, first of all, all you heard was excuses. He was complaining about the wind, all that shit. Well, guess what? Mac Jones had to deal with that too. And he went 23 for 27. No touchdowns or nothing, but 200, what do you have? 246 yards, 23 for 27 in the same conditions as you, Zach. So the excuses, I'm not trying to hear any of that bullshit. And then Zach gets specifically at, dude, it was a layup. It was a layup of a question. And you would gain so much respect to your team. Layup of a question. Gets asked, did you let your defense down today? What's the answer to that question with how he played? 
It was, it, it was yes. The easy answer is just, yeah, we let him down. I got to be better. What's he do? Oh, no, no, no. That was it. No, no. Sorry, I keep dropping my phone because it's on my lap and I'm, I'm, I, I, look, I try to look up the stats like as I'm talking to y'all. So it was on my lap and it fell off again. I apologize. But, oh, did you let your defense down? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? What do you mean? What do you mean you didn't let your defense down? You went 9 for 22, 77 yards. You couldn't get on the other side of the football field. In Patriots territory, once your defense gave up three points, three points, and you didn't let your defense down. Uh, that's pretty fucking tone deaf by Zach Wilson, and it's essentially what got him benched for Mike White. Um, the. G- <laughs> You know, this team is really interesting to me. And, by the way, it started coming out a little more this week. You had C.J. Uzama, who's the tight end, who's one of the tight ends on the team. You know, he came out and he was talking about how, uh, you know, he kind of, Zach kind of rubbed the team the wrong way with what he said, and it would probably behoove him to, to you know, to uh, address the team and, really, you know, take accountability and apologize for that, which he did. He did that privately with the team. He did that. And CJ said that, you know, they get, they gained a lot of respect for him for doing that. And I and I appreciate that. I do. Um but he lost the team. You can clearly tell he lost the team. They didn't like just just look at Garrett Wilson after that game against the Patriots. Oh, we need to put more trust in the receivers like, you know, you could say that's a shot to the coaching staff. And that's another thing I heard a lot about after he, you know, after the news came out, after he got benched. You had a lot of people calling about the coaching staff and how, like, the play calls were bad and shit. Dude, they don't want to put him in a position to make a fucking mistake. That's, I mean, that's what that was. That's what that was. They, they're they nervous that he's going to make the blunder play, which he always seems to do. So that's why the play calling was like that. People need to understand that type of shit, man. I don't put that on the coaches. I don't do. I don't do that. Prove to me that you can make the plays that they're calling. Because he couldn't even do that. He couldn't even do... The dude couldn't throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. And you're the second overall pick. I mean, is that coaching? When you throw, when you sail the ball ten feet over the dude's head, when he's right next to you, I don't know. I don't think so. And you know, I hate when these coaches beat around the bush. I understand, like you kind of have to say certain things and shit like that. But like, for instance, Salah was asked, um, you know. Fuck, what, what, what? I kind of just lost the thought, I forgot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe it'll come back to me. Salah got asked a bunch of questions, but he kind of beats around the bush. Oh yeah, this was the point I was trying to make. Instead of like, especially after the benching, instead of just committing to Mike White, especially after the game he just had against Chicago, which we'll get into, instead of just committing to him, they still 
Now, granted, I understand. Second overall pick, you don't want him to completely just fall off. But you d- you put Flacco as the backup. You didn't even dress Zach for the Chicago game. So what is he going to learn sitting down watching? Now, granted, he yes. You, you, people need to understand. Depth chart is the thing. So Flacco being the backup, he's going to get the second most reps at practice uh, behind the starter, who is now Mike White. The third string is pretty much with the scout team. So what the fuck is he going to learn on the scout team when the head coach, offensive coordinator, QB coach, all that shit, they're all primarily focused on Mike White and Joe Flacco being ready to play the game. So that is curious to me. That tells me that Zach might be done. Zach might be done. But I don't like when Salah, this is, and this is what I was going to get to. I apologize. I know I'm going all over the place, but a lot has happened since I last spoke to y'all. I don't like that Salah comes out and, and is, you know, he's like, well, we're just going to take it week to week. Um, you know, right now, you know, Mike is taking advantage of the opportunity that he has, blah, 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 blah. Can't you just commit to him and say Mike White is the quarterback of the Jets right now? Like, clear, because he is. You keep you're keeping the door open for Zach when we all know Zach's not playing unless Mike White gets hurt. And honestly, we don't know if he's playing even if Mike White gets hurt, considering they have Flacco as the backup. So what what do we it's just something that bothers me. I'm sorry. Either way, let's get let I'll get into the game now. So Mike White clearly, you know, starting quarterback against Chicago, pretty soft landing spot. Pretty soft landing spot because Chicago sucks. I don't think, you know, you could add me at quarterback for the Jets with the talent that the Jets have, and they still should have won that game. And they won it convincingly. But you know what? Mike White looked pretty fucking good. Here's his stat line. 22 uh, 22 out of 28. Very good completion percentage. 300 yards, 315 yards. When's the last time you've seen uh, Zach throw for 300 yards? Um, and don't talk to me about that fucking Patriot, that first Patriots loss, because that was that was a Fugazi-ass 300-yard game, okay? But 22 for 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. The dude already has one less touchdown than Zach Wilson has all year. Zach's 5-2 as a starter. Seven games he's played. He has four touchdown passes. Mike White throws three touchdown passes in one game. Now that also shows me that they just opened up the playbook for Mike White, which tells me a lot about how they feel about Zach in terms of the play calling, which is why I don't get on the coaching staff for those, for those games because your team played well enough to win in both those games. And Zach was the reason why you lost in both those games against the Patriots. So again, I go back to the point. His play was going to justify the benching regardless. But those comments after the game really, really, really rubbed that team the wrong way. He had lost the locker room. And Robert Sala had to make a decision. And he made the right decision, clearly. Because they go out and beat Chicago handily in shit weather. And... 
They won 31 to 10. <laughs> and, you know, they got Minnesota coming up this week. And I actually think. So here's what. I, Minnesota to me is the worst 9 and 2 team I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just look at their point differential. They're having, they have an even point differential. They're not beating teams like. They're not bludgering. Blood. What's the word? Blood, bludgering? Bludging? Bludging? Bludgering? I don't fucking know. Sue me, alright? God damn it. They're not killing any anybody. They're 9-2, and two, but they're not killing anybody. Okay? Their defense is mediocre at best. And their offense is Justin Jefferson, and that's about it. Now, that's a really good that's about it. So no disrespect to that offense. But Justin Jefferson is great. And by the way, that matchup, Sauce Gardner and Justin Jefferson this weekend, every Jet fan should be excited about that. Every single one. The only thing you don't have going for you is that Kirk is playing at 1 o'clock and he's like, for whatever reason, his primetime stats are horrendous, but when he plays at 1 o'clock, that dude is something else. It's going to be a good game. And I actually think... The Jets are going to win the game. I do. I do think they'll be able to go to Minnesota and, be, and beat that team. Um, now, what does that do for you? Uh, like, so I, I throw this out there. Do the Jets, what do the Jets need to make the postseason, right? Because clearly they made the decision now, like, they're going for it, especially with the benching of Zach, because really, what were the questions coming into the season? You wanted to know if you had a coach. It's kind of the same thing with the Giants. You want to know if you had a coach, which I think you do. Because Sal has proven a lot to me this year. And uh, you wanted to know if you have a quarterback. Now, you don't have that question answered. But you're 7-4 and four going into this game. The Patriots just lost. Now, let's look at the standings real quick. Because I was gonna just I was just gonna say, what do they need to make the postseason? Will they make the postseason? Um, you're seven and four right now. You're third in the division because Buffalo just beat New England last night. Uh, I don't know if you have a shot at the division. It depends. Now, if you go and beat Minnesota this week, you have a shot at the division because then you go to Buffalo after that, and you already beat Buffalo. Now it was at home, but if you get competent quarterback play. Like you've been getting from Mike White. Or like, I shouldn't say been getting because he only played one game. Like you got from Mike White. You beat Minnesota. You go to Buffalo. You could beat them there. It's not, it's not, it is a great home field advantage. Don't get me wrong. That Bills Mafia is nuts. But, um, it's not an impossible game to win. Uh, you got Miami going to San Francisco this week and, you know, I actually have them in one of my picks this week, but that's no guaranteed win for Miami. Um, so you can see what happens there. And and who knows? Let's see what happens. If Miami loses to, to San Francisco, they're 8-4. and four. You beat Minnesota, you're 8-4. and four, And you have the tiebreaker, which puts you in second place in the division. Um, right now, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're the last team in right now. 
And you got the Chargers breathing down your neck. You had New England lose last night, which was good. The only teams in terms of that you really need to concern yourself with are the Chargers and New England. Okay? Because you got Indy behind New England. They're not going anywhere. Jacksonville is having a nice little resurgence here, but I don't think they're going to make it. Vegas is doing the same thing as far as resurgence goes, but too little too late in my opinion, um, considering they have the Chiefs in that division. And... Then you got Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Denver, and Houston. (laughs) You don't have to worry about any of them. So, will the Jets make the playoffs? I think the division is going to be out of reach. I think Buffalo is going to still win this division. So, really, the team you need to be worried about is the Chargers. And I don't think the Chargers are a team to be worried about in in reality because they always seem to to blow it. Now, granted, they beat Arizona on a two-point conversion last week with no time left, Uh, but it took that for them to win. And against a bad Arizona team, that I don't know if anybody's been watching Hard Knocks, but it's pretty entertaining because that it's kind of cringy entertaining. You know what I mean? It's like watching Impractical Jokers. Some of the shit is really funny, man. Some of the shit is really funny. But um I think the Jets are in good shape. I I do. Um cuz I do eventually think that Cincinnati's going to win that division. Um I mean Baltimore has the tiebreaker against you, so they'll probably finish ahead of you. The only way you finish ahead of Cincinnati or Baltimore is if uh is if uh, um, you have a better record than them at the end of the year, obviously, because they have they both have the tiebreaker against you. And I was going to say win the division, but I think you could still have a better record than them and not win your division considering how good the Bills are. But who knows? Sky's the limit for this team, man. Let's see what Mike White does this weekend. I think they'll have another good game. I think Zach Wilson's done forever. That's just my personal opinion. Another big bust for the Jets. But... They've done so well with this roster, I don't think anybody needs to panic yet in terms of the quarterback situation. We'll see what happens. But, all right, enough about the Jets and all their craziness. Let's get to my team. Let's get to the Giants. All right, the last time I talked to y'all, they had a game um, coming up against Detroit, which they eventually lost. And I'm not going to go too crazy into that game. Uh it just, uh, you know, turnovers killed you. Turnovers killed you in that game. Aiden Hutchinson's a beast. Um, yeah, man. I mean, and that offense can store can score the ball. I mean, it is what it is. I didn't. I, I wouldn't. I said I wasn't going to be shocked if they lost to Detroit, and I wasn't. Um, you know, they had Saquon bottled up pretty damn good, and you know, I brought it up too. You know, he rushed thirty five times against. Uh, Against uh, Houston, you gotta you gotta think is the wear and tear getting to him? He's you know he's coming off of two major injuries and just first year fully healthy. I don't know. I mean he he he's losing a little bit of his luster, especially the last two games. So I you know when you have to when you have to put the ball in Daniel Jones's hands with the 
just with the core of receivers that he has around him and 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 everything like that, I don't like your chances. But yeah, so they lose against the Lions. And then they lost on Thanksgiving against the uh, a Dallas Cowboys team. I can't stand fucking Dallas fans too talking all this crap. You're ten point favorites. Stop! 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 Stop acting like you just won the goddamn Super Bowl. I get it was Thanksgiving and they fucking do halftime shows and all that shit like it is the Super Bowl, which I don't know why they do that, but they do it. And by the way, did you guys see the numbers for that game? The Giants uh, Cowboy game on Thanksgiving was the most watched game, most watched regular season game in NFL history. 42 million people watch that game. Now, yes, you have Dallas and New York, but you get those for every game. With Dallas and New York involved, okay? I mean, yeah, it's the two largest populated areas probably in the country. But, you know, huge markets. I understand that. You're going to get everybody in that market. But you're going to get everybody in that market whether it was Thanksgiving or fucking, you know, the middle of December. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, 42 million. That was crazy. But Dallas fans, could you could you could you shut up? Really, stop acting like you won the Super Bowl. You're the better team. You were ten point favorites at home. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. I don't want to hear it. And you know what? You were down six at halftime, which makes me sick though. At the end of the day, because you pick Dak off in the first half twice. You pick him off twice. You come away with a score on one of them, and then. You know, you 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 went three and out on the on the other one. You didn't take advantage of that pick. But Giants win the turnover battle. They were playing really really well. I'm taking that first half all day long up 13-7. All day long, they looked really good. And you know what? The game plan was different for sure because obviously Dallas is keying on Saquon. Obviously, they came out throwing the ball and they looked pretty damn good. They look pretty damn good. Now, there was a few plays where Daniel Jones, especially that fourth down play to Saquon, where, dude, if you just put the ball in front of him, he has a t- he scores. He scores on that play. But the ball's behind him. Should Saquon still make the catch? Mm, probably. Probably, but that's a bad throw. I put that on Jones. That's a bad throw. You stayed away from the turnovers. It was a... It was, I mean, you got dominated in the second half. What do you want to do? I mean, I think that this was the first game for the Giants that you look at the second half and you were just like, oof. I mean, you gave up 21 points. And normally you look at the first half of the Giants and it's like, oof. And, you know, they make the adjustments at halftime. They look way better. That was the first game where I think the coaching failed you. And again, I love Brian Dayball. I love Wink Martindale. I love what they've done with this team. My feelings on them have not changed, but we got to call it as it is. The coaching kind of failed you against Dallas. And the reason I say that, and you got to remember, decimated by injury. Decimated. You had three backup offensive linemen in the game. You had not one starting corner in the game. Your best safety is out. I mean, what'd you expect? Now, Wink really pissed me off in the second half. He did because now I know he loves the blitz. I know he loves the blitz. But you know who loves to play against the blitz? Cowboys. 
Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the league against the Blitz. He just is. I hate Dak. I think he's overrated as shit. But when you Blitz again him, he's going to torch you. He's going to torch you. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. And the reason I say Wink failed you this game, you know you have a Dory Jackson out. You know you have McKinney out. And you blitz as much as you did, which left those backups on an island and C.D. Lamb just, just, just ate them up. Ate them up. You need to start playing a little more zone, especially with the injuries that you have. Because, by the way, Kayvon Thibodeau, the sacks aren't there, but that dude is getting to the fucking quarterback, man. He is getting to the quarterback. Let him do his thing, especially against a Dallas team that's just going to throw the ball. Because that seems to be all they do. Their running game isn't great. They have two good running backs. Tony Pollard's better than Zeke, um, in my personal opinion. But he's really good catching the ball. So they use him more there. Look, at the end of the day, was I expecting the Giants to win that game? No, I wasn't. They're on their first two-game losing streak. Um, Look, man. You know, I said it to begin the year. You You need to keep everything in perspective with this team now, okay? They have a big game this weekend against Washington. It's probably the biggest game they've had since 2016. And here's what you got going for you against Washington. Daniel Jones seems to just love playing against that team. Doesn't matter who's on the team. It seems like every year he plays against Washington, he finds a way to fucking ball out. I don't know what it is, but this question was posed all week, and it bothers me a little bit because I go back to saying, like, you need to keep everything in perspective for this team. You got a first-year head coach. You got a quarterback that's in a new system for the third time, okay? And he's looked better than ever this year. Okay, first year head coach, you got a brand new GM who didn't make a move at the deadline because they know what this team is. They knew a DJ Moore, um, a Brandon Cooks, um, who else was being thrown out there. There was another guy being thrown out there, but they knew that, you know, getting one of those guys wasn't going to make them a contender. Okay, look, I mean, the Giants... They're not beating up on anybody either. They're probably the worst 7-4 and four team that's out there. All right? In terms of talent. Um, so, please, just keep everything in perspective when I ask this question. Because it's something I heard all week. And here's the question. Is the Giants season a failure if they don't make the playoffs? Um... And look, there's a reason why I don't like the question. Will I be disappointed? I'd be severely disappointed, yes. You start 7-2, and two, you should make the playoffs. I don't care who you are, right? And and just to get this out there, I think they're going to make the playoffs. The, the team is too well coached to, to lose out, okay? Essentially. So, I don't... I'm not, like... It's weird for me because I don't think it's a failure if they don't make it. I don't. I think it's actually kind of blasphemy to say it is a failure if they don't make the playoffs. 
Because again, you got to keep everything in perspective here. This this roster is not talented. It's just not. You got Saquon, who's been bottled up the last two weeks, like I said. You got Daniel Jones, who we still don't really know for sure if we are going to sign him back or not. Again, he's had his best year easy. Easily his best year. But, you know, the, the book's still open on him. You got zero receivers. You got Isaiah Hodgins and and, and Darius Slayton as your two best um, guys on the outside. And then you got Richie James in the slot. Okay? I mean, can can we be real here? It's it, We just need to keep it all in perspective here, people. I get it. Game days, I'm nut. I'm a nut. I'm a nut. I'm crazy. Ask anybody that I'm around. Ask my girl's family who was just with me on Thanksgiving. They got to see it firsthand. Okay? So, look, I, I'm a diehard, but at the end of the day, you got to be realistic about this team. Think they will make the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I th- again, I think they're too well coached. I think they have too much respect for that coach to not go out and beat some of these teams. All right? So, what's going to get them in? Nine, right? Everybody's been saying nine wins, and I think nine does get them in. So, you split... You have to beat Washington once. You have to. Because I don't think you're going to beat Philly. I just don't. Now, Washington beat Philly. I understand all that. But I I just don't think you're going to beat Philly. All right? Washington's on a tear right now. Can we get them at home, please? Just get this game at home. Because you're going to beat Indianapolis. I'm sorry. You're just... If you... See, that's where I'll get really upset. Because I think you need two wins. Two. You need two. You beat Washington this weekend. Because then you go to Philly. Or wait, do you have Philly at home? I'm not sure. Let me look. You got four straight division games. That, that That's what's happening right now. Four straight. So, or three, yeah, with, with including the Dallas game on Thanksgiving. You got commanders at home. No, you play the so you play Philly at home next week. Okay, I again I don't think you're going to beat Philly. I just don't. So, zero and two against Philly. You're zero and two against Dallas. You split with Washington. That's a horrible division record. But we really don't care about the division. We're not we're not looking to win the division. Okay. You need to split with the Commanders. You got Minnesota at Minnesota after. All right, I'm sorry. Commanders this weekend at home. Giant, uh, Philly the next weekend at home. Then you play the Commanders again at Washington. Then you got Minnesota in Minnesota. Winnable game, in my opinion. Do I expect them to win that game? No. But it's a winnable game. Then you got the Colts at home. You better fucking win that game. And let's be real. Depending on what Philly's looking like at the end of the year, now that I'm thinking about it, because you, you end the season against them in Philly... If they have the one seed wrapped up, who's to say they're not playing all their starters? You know what I mean? Like, they're probably not. They're probably not going to do that. So that could be a winnable game. Look, two wins. I'm asking for one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six games. I'm asking for two and four. Is that too much? Is that too much to ask for? That'll get you in. And then all this talk about failure, yada, 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 is out the window. I think it's blasphemous to say it's a failure. Because I think you're already, I think this season's already a success. 
because you know you got your coach. Sorry, just banged on the damn table. You know you got your coach. You know you got your GM. And you trust them. To me, that's all that matters for this year. Because, I mean, if you get in, what are you going to do? You're losing the first round. That's what's going to happen, okay? So, look. But it will be nice to see Daniel Jones play in a playoff game. I will say that. And really, realistically, these next six weeks are playoff games. So we're, we're going to see. We're going to see. All I ask is for Giants fans to keep things in their proper perspective. Okay? Will it be disappointing for them not to make the playoffs? Yes, it would. Especially after a 7-2 and start. It would be severely disappointing, yes. Season failure? No. Don't think so. I don't think so. Go out and beat Washington this weekend. I mean, yeah, they're getting Chase Young back. You know, they, they, they got some receivers in McLaurin and Samuel. I think you have the edge at quarterback and running back. Okay? Let's see what happens. You should be able to beat this team. Is it a foregone conclusion that you can beat this team? Uh, if Carson Wentz was that quarterback, I definitely would say yes. But it's not. So, And they've been playing really, really, really good football. So... And they're, they're getting arguably their best defensive player back. But you're also getting all your linemen back. Evan Neal's coming back. You're getting, uh, I'm pretty sure Jackson said he might be back for this game. You're getting a lot of people back for the Giants. So come on, let's go. Go out and beat this fucking team, please. All right, we're going a little over today. I got my picks for y'all. Um, weekly picks here. Okay, here we go. I got my five. Um, a lot of underdogs, too. Majority underdogs. First game I got. Giants versus Washington, baby. The, uh, it's plus one and a half. Underdogs at home. I don't like that. That's a little weird to me, but I'm going to be the homer. And I think, uh, I think, uh, I think the Giants are going to win this game. So... At the end of the day, go with them. That's the homer pick. So, Giants plus the one and a half. Tennessee at Philadelphia. They're plus five and a half. Five and a half point underdogs. I don't think Tennessee wins this game. But I do think they keep it close. Because what, what does Tennessee do, do, do better than almost anybody in the league? Run the football. You got Derrick Henry. You got the beast in the backfield. And what can't Philly do on defense? They can't stop the run. They tried bringing in Ndamukong Sue and all these other guys because they're missing Davis hard. They really are. But, hey, man. Again, I think Philly wins the game, but Tennessee definitely, I think they, they cover the five and a half for sure. For sure. You got Seattle at the Rams, and they're eight-point favorites on the road. But really, it's going to be a home game for them because where the Rams play, no one gives a fuck about the Rams. So, I like Seattle to cover the eight. Um, kind of a get-right game for them. I think they'll be fine. So, I think they're going to win that game handily because the Rams are just... Uh, hey... Screw all them draft picks, right? I mean, you do it over again because you got that Super Bowl last year, but you are you, the Rams are in a really, really bad spot. Donald's not going to play. I think Seattle wins that game pretty good, uh, but easily, pretty easily. 
Then you got Miami at San Francisco. This is a toss-up game for me, but I am picking Miami to cover the three and a half. They're on three and a half point underdogs. That that offense is just crazy dynamic with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, shit, they pulled Tua against Houston last week just because they were up by so much. That's a really good offense, man. That's a really good offense. Now, San Francisco's got a really good defense. We'll see what happens. I like San Francisco um, a lot, but I think Miami covers the three and a half. I do. So, let's see. Where are we at? We got the Giants plus the one and a half, Tennessee plus the five and a half, Seattle minus the eight. They cover that. Um, Miami plus the three and a half. I do think they probably win that game. And then you got the big game this week. And I don't blame y'all for probably wanting to stay away from this one because it's a weird one. But it's probably going to be the game of the week, and that's Kansas City against Cincinnati. It's at Cincinnati. and Cincinnati, So Cincinnati being home, giving points, being underdogs at home, I like that. I like that. So I got Cincinnati plus the two and a half. Um. Got to tell you, I haven't been so hot the last couple weeks, but we're looking to turn it around here. Uh, so those are my picks. Bet them. Don't bet them. Do whatever the hell you want. But it was fun to be back. I'm sorry for the hiatus again. I appreciate you all being patient with me. Um, I had a couple people hit me up and say, what the fuck, man? So I, I love that I'm getting that feedback. So thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, man. I hope you all hope y'all have a good, good sports weekend. Go USA. Go beat Netherlands. Come on, let's keep it going. Um, and yeah, man, everybody have a fun weekend. I appreciate y'all listening again. Thank you. I'm out. Peace.